Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Now, here's your host, Dave Turner. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Seat Yourself. I'm Dave Turner, and I am your host here at Seat Yourself, and we're the podcast that covers the news, items of interest, and anything that's relevant within the food service and hospitality industry. And by the way, for those of you counting, this episode is episode number 105 of Seat Yourself, and it's published the week of February 8th, 2021. And today we're back in beautiful Studio A of the Tabletop Journal Studios right here in beautiful downtown Baltimore on America's East Coast. And so now we've got a really special show for you today, and I want to tell you a little bit about it. Today's show is going to be just a little bit different. We don't normally bring a company or a representative of a company on to do an extended segment like we're going to do today. Oh, sure, we always will bring people in for a quick couple, a couple minute Q&A on a new product, a new acquisition, or some other special occasion. But today, we're going to devote our entire first segment to a company that, to be honest with you, we haven't really talked that much about on Seat Yourself, and that company is Cal Mill. Now, Cal Mill, obviously, they're a great company, and they've been around for decades, bringing all kinds of great products to the food service marketplace. And so today, we're going to fix that lack of love, if you want to call it that, from Tabletop Journal. We're going to fix that thing with Cal Mill today, for sure. So we're very excited that we'll be joined by Cal Mill's Josh Callahan. Josh is their Vice President of Sales and Marketing. And I'm equally excited that we're also going to have today joining us is Cal Mill's Jason Waynes. Jason is Cal Mill's Senior Director of Sales for their Western Region. And Jason, this is especially cool, he's the founder of a Facebook group called the Food Service Power Plant Network. Now, we had Jason on Seat Yourself back in July, and some of you may remember that episode. But today, I want to bring both Josh and Jason here together to talk about Cal Mill, its products, but also about its culture. I think it's really, really unusual that a company not only allows a high-level sales exec like Jason the freedom to create something as big as the Food Service Power Plant Network. By the way, if you don't know that, it's a terrific support service for and resource for people in our industry who might just need a little support during this pandemic times. But not only does Cowmill allow it, but that company so actively embraces and supports everything Jason's doing and the great Facebook group that he's put together. It's, it's really, really something special. And so after our first segment's over and we're done talking about all the great products of Cal Mill, we're going to get into all that culture, all that support, all that that uh, Cal Mill does for the Food Service Power Plant Network and just why they do it and where it fits into the overall mission and, and a whole lot more in the culture and so forth of Cal Mill. So with all of that, let's get this party started. Please help me welcome Josh Callahan and Jason Wange from the great Cal Mill Company to this episode of Seat Yourself. And welcome, everybody, Josh Callahan and Jason Wange from the great Cal Mill Company. Gentlemen, it's really great having you on Seat Yourself here today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us, Dave. It's great. Great to have you. I, and I got a question. Josh, I'm going to give you a chance in a minute to tell everybody that's listening who Cal Mill is, who you guys are, what kind of a company you are. And I'm going to give you a lot of chance. But I have one quick question, a surprise question before you. Why the heck 
Hasn't Tabletop Journal done a better job of covering you guys? Huh? What the hell's going on with those guys? Oh man, no, you know it's uh, we've been we've been trying to do some cool stuff and some fun stuff, but man, it's probably yeah. my fault for not getting in touch with you earlier. But I'm I'm super excited to. Uh... No, 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 no. That wasn't my question. My question is is what's wrong with these guys? Huh? What's wrong with those Tabletop Journal guys? We're gonna we're gonna give you some love right now here today. I hope, but. Why don't you tell everybody about who Cal Mill is and what kind of a company you are and uh, why you're a little bit different than maybe uh, if somebody has a perception, why don't you just lay out really what the Cal Mill is all about? Yeah, I would love to. You know, thanks again for having us on. It's it's exciting and it's fun. And, uh, you know, so CalMill is a, a family-owned and operated uh, business. My grandfather actually started the company back in 1965. So we're, we're working on 55-plus years. And it, there's a lot of pride that, that I take in that and that my entire family takes in that. It's a it's a culture that we build in, in a family company. It's not just some big company and, and our employees aren't just another employee and our customers aren't just another customer. It, it means a lot to us to be a family company. But you know, back to the start of it with 1965, my grandfather, he started actually manufacturing aeronautical helmets. Making aeronautical helmets with him and his team is an interesting segue getting into the food service from where we are today. But Duh, you know, it's <laughs> logical, isn't it? Aeronautical helmets, food service goes together. But, you know, long story short in that whole thing is he started making aeronautical helmets. And fun fact about him and his team, he actually worked with Chuck Yeager and some of those original guys to develop the helmet that they wore when they broke the sound barrier, which is really cool. We actually still have a replica um, in our showroom when post-COVID comes and we have people back in our showroom. Yeah, so getting from from the, you know A to B is is not a logical path, but I think that one thing that was ingrained from my grandfather into this company, just into the blood of our company, is evolution and change. And that shows from going from manufacturing aeronautical helmets and, and going from, you know, he's making terrariums. He made like car parts for car companies, anything that he could do to get him through tough times and to feed his family and also give his employees a paycheck. And, and like I said, I think that was really ingrained in our company, in our evolution, was just like always be ready to embrace change. And I think that shows with what we do. And we started playing around with like all sorts of different materials and, and all sorts of different things. And, you know, we've really evolved into what we are today. And, and I think it says a lot too about just the leadership of our company. You know, I came on board as third generation and, and my dad, Johnny Callahan, still the president and CEO to this day, still very involved. And just his mentorship for me and his ability to allow me to just try things and make changes and embrace the change and allow me to make mistakes and be open to ideas, I think has continued to allow us to kind of just make those changes into what we are today. But for us, the hallmarks of our company are we're a family company first and foremost, and we treat our employees like they are a part of the family. We treat our customers like they are an extension of our family. And we really want that to shine brightly. We really want more than anything that we do, more than all the new products that we come out with, more than any of the new collections. We want to be a company that people look towards for our culture and that we shine bright for those relationships. Because so much in this day and age, you know, we were talking before the podcast, people have cool products. And for us, we want to have cool products and, and products that are cutting edge. But at the same time, more importantly, we want to have relationships that are meaningful in the industry and that people come back to. You know, And I think that that's going to go a long way, especially post-COVID. People are going to want to buy from people that they trust, like we were talking about. And it's just really, that's, that's really important to us and maybe more important than all those new products that we come out with. Yeah, I always tell people, uh, cool new products will come and they'll go. But companies and their DNA 
that is a real differentiator sometimes. And it's a differentiator over the long haul. I've got a quick question for you, though. As a family-owned and operated, and the key word there is operated company, is it easier to be nimble and agile, particularly in times of, let's say, COVID? Yeah, 100%. Family-owned and operated. The decision-making is is with the family and with us. So we've been very lucky. And I think that a couple of our characteristics as a company allow us to be nimble, both being a family company, number one, but also controlling almost all of our manufacturing. That's a big hallmark of our company is, is we manufacture our products. And that lends itself. And at the core of it, allows us to do what we do in the industry, whether it's come out with cool products, but come out with them quickly. We design them we manufacture them. We bring them to market. We're, we're handling every step of the way, and we're doing it right in our backyard. So we're located in Oceanside, California, with it, which is in uh, San Diego County, just north San Diego County. So if you think of L.A. and you think of San Diego, we're about a third of the way from San Diego to L.A. Isn't Oceanside a place where if you live a good life and say your prayers and go to church all the time, <laughs> when you die, you go to Oceanside? Isn't that about right? Yeah, yeah, you would go to somewhere in San Diego for sure. Oceanside's not a bad spot to end up. It's, yeah, I was uh, going to say, that's pretty sweet living out there. Another quick question. Uh, you mentioned design a minute ago. You have a quote on your website that says, bringing design to food and beverage. Tell me about that quote. What does it mean? With us, design is is where it starts, and and one of our slogans, along with that, is is presentation upgraded. You know, we use that a lot on our on our Instagram accounts, our Twitter accounts, our socials, and what we want to do is we want to bring design into our products where. A lot of people in, outside the industry, non-food service, you know, they kind of ask what I do. Say like my friends uh, that are just completely like, hey, he's a firefighter. He's a, you know, whoever he might be. It's like, what, what do you do? It's like, it's like you tell them you're in food service. And for them, they, they don't, that doesn't quite register, right? But it's like, I, I tell them, I say like, walk into a, a cool hotel and you walk into their buffet. And when you're not in food service, you're just grabbing food and you're going back to your table. But when you're in food service, you're paying attention to all these little nuances, these little details, yeah. these little things that are occurring. And for us, that's what we want to bring to food service in the buffet, the catering, into whatever category that we play in is we want to kind of bring that design element into there. And so instead of just thinking of the buffet, we like to look at everything. We like to look at tabletop. We like to look at furniture trends. We like to look at textures and textiles and everything and bring that into the food service market, into our categories, right? So we can kind of say, hey, this is what's coming in a fashion or furniture or whatever it might be, a, a texture that we like. And we're going to bring it into the food service market. We're going to bring it into buffet. We're going to bring it into whatever we're doing. And it's relatable at that point, right? There's an inspiration and they're saying, oh yeah, I did see that. I, I did see that, you know, Joanna Gaines on HGTV really liked that, that look, that whatever look it might be. And we're bringing it into food service and it just gives us credibility and it, it just allows us for some fun, right? And having some fun with our customers and fun with doing different things. And I feel like for us bringing that design element and that relatability and credibility into that food service market is, is fun, right? And we, and we have a lot of fun with it and it gives us some fun that we can have with our customers. And again, our customers love it and, and they've really learned to lean on it. I agree with you totally hundred uh, percent. And and I think that for me, I say it slightly different though. For me, being in the food service and hospitality business, it's more like a, a sociology experiment. Uh, where do people go when they go into a hotel lobby? What direction do they take? What foods do they pick up? Why do they pick things up certain way? Why are buffet set up the way they are? Why is a breakfast setting in a hotel? Go into a restaurant. How do they greet you there? What's going on in the restaurant? The connection between people. And and, and I, I love that, that aspect of food service. And, and rather than just selling more stuff, 
I think everyone in the food service industry will selfishly admit that we're all a little bit different, right? And there's a reason why we stay in this industry for so long. And nobody and, else will hire us, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, but that's really my case. I, I think that there's, I think that there's something unique about our industry, though, and I think that it's it stems from us being the hospitality industry, right? And and breaking bread and sharing drinks. And there's something unique about that community. And there's, so, I think there's connections that you build that are really important. And for me coming, going to college and, and knowing that there was a family company that I had within our family that, that I was going to go and give it a try. But for me, you know, growing up, I I'm big into sports, big into a lot of different things. And I knew CalMill was what it was at that time. I didn't gravitate exactly what CalMill was, but I knew there was a family company, right? Going through like high school. I worked there in the summers, packing boxes and doing different things. And so I kind of knew, you know, dad worked here. And Oceanside. It was, you know, yeah, sure right. Yeah, exactly. And so, but going to college and stuff, I, I, I got a marketing degree and I, I was still unsure. I was like, okay, am I going to go into the family company or am I, am I not? And I was, he was like, let me give it a try. This is cool. I mean, we're, our, our family's so tight knit. Right. And I was like, let me just tr give this a shot and see, see how it goes. And I think that when I attended my first show and it was my first NRA show, uh, something clicked and the people just like opened their arms to me, you know, from every level and, and just like, was just like, okay, let me show you this. Let me show you this. And I just was like, why would I go try to explore anything else? This is awesome. I, I can be here. I could be at this company. I can have an impact on people and I can learn something new. And here we are, like, you know, I think that was when I was 20. Here we are, you know, 13 years. Yeah, I was years. just going to ask you, how old were you when that happened? I think I was 21. Newly so you're coming 21. out of that phase where dad is the stupidest, dad and mom are the stupidest people in the world. They don't <laughs> yeah. know anything. And you're coming out of that phase where you go, hey, well, maybe they weren't so uh, wrong, you know? And then, and, See now you're open to things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was I was finishing up college, and so yeah, so I was right around 21. I know I remember I was of the drinking age because I remember when we went the some dinners for NRA that you know sipping on some wine with some customers. That was a new experience for me. Like I had never been to a yep. quote unquote business dinner, and yeah. just like the you know you go in thinking it's going to be like uptight and you know but then you sit down it's just like hey we're just breaking bread and we're just talking and we're just hanging out great? it's some of those things that we think about with covid now it's like we crave those right now where it's like oh my gosh i can't wait but i just remember being hooked i spoke at a what a, a company i won't name but their meeting and a sales meeting they had annual sales meeting and i talked to people about it's just the eating and drinking business right yeah, that's really it is. That's just the eating and drinking business. So, but that's deceiving though. So let's get into some of the pragmatic, more nuts and bolts kind of stuff, the, the daily grind, if you will. I took a peek at your catalog, about 350 pages of products. It's a lot. No, it's like the Sears robot catalog from uh, years ago. <laughs> How the heck does CalMill manage and, and I, I have the same question for other companies who have a wide range of products. But how do they manage the, the wide assortment of the product and all the SKUs? Because it's not only just different categories. It's deep in certain categories, too. So how do you do that? And plus, you probably make some custom stuff, too, right? Yeah, it's it's a lot. And and looking at our history and over our 55-year history, we're still learning. And again, that's that's the hallmark of what we do is, is always learning. And with manufacturing and with such a wide product array, 
you have to keep learning or else you get left behind and you won't do it right. Right. And, and, and I would think that our manufacturing and our ability to kind of have all those SKUs is, is definitely a barrier to entry into our market, right? Because we have such a wide array and we manufacture them. It's hard. It's not easy. And it takes a lot of effort to make sure that you have the right amount of stock, but not too much sitting on the shelf and, and make sure that you're introducing the right items. And it's, it's difficult. But one thing that, that we do is we always take the mindset that we are still learning and we're always trying to do better in terms of what we do and how we manufacture it. But we have about 3,000 standard SKUs in our in our standard assortment. And then we have another around 3,500 non-standard. So we got you know close to 7,000 total SKUs to manage. And whether it's with a national brand or whether it's a stock, just standard catalog item, it gets tough, but we've been doing it for a long time and we've learned things along the way. And I would say that we've learned a lot of how to manage that inventory. And for us, we need to have a wide array because we are a little bit more niche. We are a little bit more specialty in terms of what we offer. And then we offer some different levels with within each category. But for us, we like to have that broad array. It just allows us to play in different markets, allows us to play in different segments, and allows us to kind of have something for everyone's need. And many of our customers know this, and we lead with it all the time. It's like, if you can't find it in those 350 pages, hey, we'll make it for you. And so, and a lot of those products that we make turn into going into the catalog. So it's kind of like a flywheel effect where it just starts going and you start product development. And then here we are. Listen, um, that is one of the huge benefits of family-owned, family-operated companies. Because I was in a situation, again, the company doesn't matter, but in a situation where literally uh, a controller walked in into my office, this is many years ago, and took a line, took all the SKUs. That in your case, it would be 7,500 SKUs, and just drew a line and said, all these below, we're discontinuing everything below this line. And you're like, really? Uh. <laughs> By the way, uh, I appreciate that, that, but the cup is above the line and the saucer that fits that cup is, is below the line. So we're going to have a little problem there. And, 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 but my, my real point is, is the relationship that you can have with a family-owned and family-operated company is quite a bit different than, than a publicly traded company. And that's just one manifestation of the cultures that exist. Oh, uh, Kenya. Now, just because you're family-owned and family-operated doesn't mean you're, you know, it's, it's kumbaya all the time. I got yep. that. But but on the other hand, you have the ability to, the freedom to do other things. And and that's really great. And I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that. Question post-COVID. Are you bringing that product down into uh, uh, maybe the standard range, at least anyway, into more manageable numbers or uh, what's your plan? So post COVID, I mean, we're, we're always, you know, and that's one thing about my dad that he, he's, he's got a very, very operational mind. And for me, I've always been that sales marketing mind. And so we mesh really well together in certain cases, but in other cases I'm pushing him and he's like, you can't do this, you know, just from an operational standpoint. And it, so it works really well where I learn a lot from him. Yeah. So him being very operationally minded, we're always looking at ways we can be more efficient on that front. And COVID has presented a lot of, of barriers for, for being able to do different things. And so we've done some things differently, which you know are, are good things for our company. We took a really, really hard look at our, at our assortment to say, okay, how can we make this more efficient? What can we do? Do we have duplication? We, we've always had a little bit of duplication because when you have that many SKUs, there's going to be a little bit of that. But we, we took a really good, hard look at it during COVID and said, okay, what can we do? And we rationalized it a little bit more than we would have, but we didn't 
go crazy. We made it a little bit more rational in terms of discontinuing some SKUs that weren't moving. Whereas in normal years, we'd say like, hey, let's give it another shot. Let's give it a couple more years to see if it moves. But for us, we could bring those back easily. And if we do discontinue something for a customer and they say, hey, you know, do you have this? More oftentimes than not, we still make it for them and we just make it a national brand or we make it a custom item or whatever it might be. So there's a lot of flexibility there. But we did take the opportunity of COVID to change how we do some things to make them more efficient. And it's honestly been a blessing in disguise in most cases, where it's just like we had some time to really put our pen to paper and say, what can we do differently to just make the company better? And that's just not even from a a skew rationalization standpoint, just overall company standpoint. I don't think any of us would have wanted COVID to come for us to do that, but it gave us the opportunity to find that silver line and say, hey, how can we do these things differently to make the company better and, and win that comeback when we do come back? Yeah, I know as a uh, sales and marketing person, uh, all of us on on that side of the fence versus the operational people, like your dad maybe, the sales and marketing people always want just-in-case inventory, just-in-case the customer wants this, just-in-case they might order something. So just just fill the building up, and when the building's too full, then go to another floor, build another floor on and keep that inventory going. But that's not real world, and and I think the one thing that I would say about COVID is it's put us all into, uh, whether you're an operator, whether you're a supplier, whether you're a supply chain person, it's put us all into more of a real world perspective. Menus in restaurants and in hotel uh, operations, banquet operations have, have been pared down. Everybody's getting slimmer, more efficient, whatever. Supply chain people keeping less inventory uh, in terms of bro- less suppliers. I mean, just frankly, if you've got five or six suppliers supplying virtually the same category of products, do you really need five or six? Can't we pare it down to two or three? And that kind of thing. And, and of course, manufacturers, the people who really produce the products, they all need to uh, take a hard look at some of their lines, too. Speaking of the lines and new products, since you're paring some things down, not many, but a few, and putting them into custom status. Anything new coming that you can tell us about? We're having some fun with new product, as we always do. And I feel like that's what really, you know, over the last, I would say, five to seven years, people really turn to us when a new year turns and January comes along. People say, hey, what's new for Calma? That's like a, a something that in the industry, when you're going to a NAFM show or an NRA show, people are coming yeah. by and be like, you know, I'm expecting 200 new products, right? That's that's kind of been the standard is for us is like all these new products. And it's fun. I mean, that's a great thing that we've been able to do it's it, it gosh i can't tell you how much it's it's really allowed us to really widen our product development in terms of what we can do what didn't work right oftentimes a lot of people are scared to introduce new product because it won't work you know we're always throwing stuff against the wall we're always making prototypes in house and saying like does this work does it not work you know testing it out and, and introducing it to market working with our customers to kind of test it out but yeah we we are we are having some fun this year we're doing it a little bit differently in terms of how we would normally introduce products because we're not out there traveling, going to shows, being able to kind of introduce a handful of new products to the industry. We're actually doing a phased approach. And what that allows us to do is kind of like focus on certain products for certain time periods to kind of like show people, hey, here's not 200 new products. Here's one new product. Let's take a look at it more in depth. And so a little bit more phased. And so we're doing that for the first six months of this year. And we still expect to introduce quite a few new products. We probably will get before the year is done, probably in, in the hundreds of new products once again. But you know, it's going to be a little more phased, which is we're having a little bit of fun with that because we could focus on them better. But one area that we are going to play in um, a little bit more this year is uh, is melamine. And, and we're very excited about melamine. And for us, the difference is that we're going to be making our melamine in Mexico. You know, a lot of our manufacturing, if not 
almost all of it, you know, 95% of it is done in Mexico currently for all of our products. We own and operate a couple facilities down there that are about an hour away from our Oceanside facility, just right across the border. And so for us, making melamine in Mexico is just it's the perfect next step. It makes so much sense. And we've had this plan to be able to do this and, and we're now executing it and we're now bringing stuff to market this year. And we're going to be start playing in some, some melamine tabletop and some dinnerware, which we're really excited about to bring some, some fun, new, different looks to, to melamine tableware. And just overall, just trying some new things. Again, bringing that buffet catering expertise and that new product mindset to dinnerware in the melamine market is going to be fun. And so we've got the new Marin collection coming out here in a couple months. And uh, we sneak peeked it yesterday and uh, just some different ideas and different things that you can make your presentation eclectic. And we've got some really fun stuff coming out. We're really excited. And I think maybe we could even uh, give you some sneak peeks that you guys can start blasting out to your audience would be fun too. That'd be great. That'd be great. That's why, see, now that we're uh, (laughs) getting closer together, maybe we can uh, do a little uh, PR for you. But I want to get into the organization a little bit. And Jason, and you've been very quiet here so far, but we're going to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your experiences with Cow Mill. I know you joined them about a year ago. What was it that really first attracted you? I know obviously they got a zillion products, family owned and all that stuff, but what was it that really made you want to join Cow Mill? Great question, Dave. Yeah, I joined on June 1st and I had owned a rep firm. I was getting ready to transition out of that to be a little bit more present with family and a lot of things at home and was deciding what's next. And when I looked at what I was hoping for, this section could go on for 30 minutes, just so you know. Well, it's got to go on for 30 minutes. The boss is right there with us. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? Calma right? was actually, Dave, when I first became a rep, I was actually, before I became a rep, I was still a history teacher, right? I'm still teaching kids. Dreaming of Cal Mill. Dreaming. <laughs> I'm dreaming of this next phase of life. And my dad calls me and he goes, hey, I know you're coming on board. It was like three weeks away. He goes, but we just got hired by this company, Cal Mill. I need you to take a day, hire a substitute, come to the office, and this guy's going to train you. This guy, Mike Juneman, he was a sales manager back then. And so Cal Mill was the first line I learned ever before I was even officially in the industry. So maybe that was it. Maybe it was, that was my first step. And I've repped a lot of lines over the years as in a, in a rep firm, I've seen a lot of different cultures. I've seen a lot of different ways of going to market from all these manufacturers. And there were a lot of things I knew I didn't want to be a part of. As a rep, you get a different view, let's call it, uh, of a company rather than if you're a customer of the company. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I've worked closely with companies that I rep that were private equity and I've repped companies that were publicly traded and I've repped family owned and the whole gamut. And over time, you figure out and you realize, man, this is who more of I am and the companies that I align with. Now, I've known Josh and Johnny and Noel, I mean, those guys for 13 years now. So there's a lot of years to build relationships and break bread and, you know, relationship. What is it? It's the it's the byproduct of surviving a risk with someone else. And Josh and I have survived a fair amount of risks together. <laughs> and, you know, for all those risks that you take on, it's a new opportunity. You try to pull something off for a customer, there's trust built. So that was that. I mean, I, I would say Josh and Calmill and, and the team, they are all about taking care of customers. You guys were talking at the beginning about your product. And I heard years ago, I was thinking about it. Tony Robbins said, if you want to be a thriving company, you need to not fall in love with your product. You need to fall in love with your customers and what they need. Because companies that fall in love with their product, they're not willing to evolve. They're not willing to grow, right? You know, we would still be making helmets for airplane folks if it was falling in love with the product. But there was a need and customers had something. And so that gives you the ability to take risks and try new things and grow. And it's 
So, you know, there was that piece, which, which I loved. I, I would say also, you know, in repping a lot of lines, there were lines where it was all about price that I rep back in the day, right? It's about saving someone two pennies. And price doesn't come up all that much in, in my, in our world. I mean, I, I'll be honest, like it's, you know, what Camel does is they give a customer an experience or they give a customer the ability to offer that to their end users, right? It's about a feeling. It's about that relationship, that vibe that you said. And so look, price comes up sometimes when we're quoting 4,000 of something to somebody and we got to figure out a way to make it happen. But generally speaking, it is very low on the list of topic points and conversations I have. People like what they do. We solve a problem. And so I like not having to, de- I don't like the commodity world. That's that's not where I play very much. And lastly, or maybe lastly, I told you this could go on for a while, Dave. I knew the heart of Cal Mill, and that's why I wanted to join. When Josh and I were talking and he sent me this offer letter and he sent me, you know, I had to sign and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, I printed it out. I'm sitting on the couch behind me with my wife, Shannon, and we're looking at this together. Don't mind me if I get emotional. You guys both know. And uh, I'll read it to you. So here's here's the values that are on the bottom, which I honestly hadn't even known or recognized. They're probably in the catalog. I'd never seen them. And we are innovators. We are passionate. We listen. We take ownership. We lead with humility. We do the right thing. We value simplicity. And I'm sitting there with Shannon. No one else can see this, but I'm going to show you guys. At the bottom, I did not write this last night when I pulled this out. This is what I wrote back you know, in January or whenever when Josh and I were doing this a year ago. I wrote, I love this. And Shannon looks at me and she goes, Jason, this is you. Like this company is who you are. And so, you know, it was just uh, all those reasons. Quickly, it was uh, Jason and I, I think this probably was five or six years ago. We started saying to each other when we, when he was working with Desert Peak Marketing and, and I was obviously with Calma, he, we would always talk when we were working on projects and, you know, we'd get to talking about personal stuff or just connecting just on a, a, a deeper level than work. And we'd always joke around and we'd say, we're going to work together one day. But we thought at that point it was a pipe dream. Like we're just joking with each other. Like, Hey, we're going to work together one day. It'd be cool to work together. And then a year ago, you know, maybe six to eight months ago, whatever that was, it started to get a little bit more real. We're like, we're actually doing this. We're actually going to do this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it was a cool evolution. There's no doubt. Both of you have articulated an axiom that I live by and I believe in very much. And that is that kindred spirits always find one another, always, no matter where they are in the world. And, even in the dark, they find each other. And by that, I mean that, generally speaking, we gravitate to people who think like us, who are, are like us, and want to be like us. And and I'm amazed. When I started Tabletop Journal 10 years ago, I wasn't sure. I mean, I had this intuitive feeling that Axiom has been proven true over and over and over again, that people come out of the woodwork. Good people find other good people. Passionate people find other passionate people. And it's really kind of a, a great thing to hear you both coming at it from both sides of the equation, just articulate that for, for our listeners. So speaking of Kumbaya, I want to take a break right now, but I want to come back, uh, Jason, and I want to get into the food service power plant network. How about that? You haven't done much talking. You've been relaxing, resting up, getting rested and ready. And so we're going to take a break right now, folks, and we're going to come back with more of the Cal Mill story, but more specifically, the food service power plant network and that part of it. And we're with Jason Wange, who's the senior director of sales in the Western region for Cal Mill. And El Jefe, Josh Callahan, VP of Sales and Marketing. Be right back at you. This episode of Seat Yourself is sponsored in part by the Edward Don and Company. Everything but the food for nearly 100 years. 
And if you have not yet signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, now would be a great time to do so. Go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. It's a quick and easy sign up and a great way to stay on top of all the important going-ons in the world of hospitality tabletop. That's tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. Okay, everybody, we're back here. We're with Jason Wange and Josh Callahan from the great Cow Mill Company, and we've been talking Cow Mill, and I have to be honest with you, Josh, we don't normally bring companies on here and let them do a commercial like you guys just did for 30 minutes, but there's something <laughs> special about Cow Mill, and I want to get into a little bit more of that special, that cultural aspect of it, and I want Jason to talk a little bit more about his involvement with something called the Food Service Power Plant Network. There's literally quite nothing like it that I, I and I, I watch this stuff all the time and there's really nothing quite like that. There's support groups in, of all kinds around the world, but in food service, no industry has been decimated as much in the COVID pandemic as food service and hospitality. And I'm just talking about all over the world. Okay. I know just from our own self, we had to pivot back on the third week of March last year. You, you can't be talking about, hey, the newest tabletop thing when, when people literally are going from whatever level of sales they had to zero, whether you're an operator, whether you're a supply chain person or a manufacturer, right off a cliff, just like that. And everybody was hurting and still many are. And everybody in that, in that period of time has gone through a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges. And I think the food service power plant network really is timely and really apropos. But I'm going to let you, Jason, tell our listeners who may not be quite as familiar with it, tell them a little bit about it, how it came to be, what the genesis of it was, and where it is, really. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. It's the, the food service power plant network started, well, my last day at my former company before I was going to join Calmo was March 20th. And, you know, I, I worked there for 12 years and was a partner for eight. And the send off was a Zoom call with all the people that, you know, I considered family. And I had a few weeks off before I was going to join Calmo. That was the plan, right? We COVID was still really fresh. We didn't know what it was becoming. And I'm watching things get really hard. I'm watching people alone in their homes. And I had spent the last 12 years learning positive psychology, positive mindset tools, because that really saved my life, very literally, from a tough decade in my 20s. And so it turned my life around in so many great ways. I started studying it. I would go to conferences on this. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at my industry hurting very quickly. And I thought, they might not know how to deal with this. They might, they're going to be afraid, they're going to be anxious, and they might not have very tangible tools to know how to process all this stuff. So I did a, a video on laughter that night. I came out and I said, hey, food service friends, you know what laughter does in the brain in terms of releasing serotonin and, and decreasing cortisol and stress levels. And it's something simple. We all know how to do it. But believe it or not, it's a real tool that can change your outlook in a moment. And so I started doing these daily videos for manufacturers, Josh and, and Noel and Johnny, they would get one and all the manufacturers I'd repped over the years would get these things. I started throwing them on LinkedIn just to offer something because I, I now had time. I was supposed to go on vacation and that wasn't happening. And so I had time. I don't do well sitting around. So that's how it started. And then honestly, it was a conversation with, I think it was one of our colleagues who lives in Chicago or it, it was someone up there and they live in an apartment. Okay. And they were alone. And they're like, you know what? It's really hard. It feels really alone right now because even going outside at that time, people would still like walk away from each other if you're like walking on the street, right? Because some, everyone's got the plague or, you know, whatever. And I was thinking, huh, there's another element to this. I mean, education is a piece in learning tools, but 
people are feeling alone and, and it's so much harder to make progress and grow when you feel alone. So I was like, we need to create a community out of this where people don't feel alone right now. So that's how the power plant network started. We created this Facebook group. I did it on Facebook because I wanted it to be casual and I wanted it to be a place you could be real. A lot of my colleagues were all of a sudden unemployed and are daily in a t-shirt and sweat shorts or sweatpants. And I couldn't do that on LinkedIn. I'm like terrified of the LinkedIn people like shooting me down. Like we don't do t-shirts here or something like that. So yeah, that LinkedIn audience pretty rough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like there's all these protocols. And so, and we've grown on LinkedIn, which is great. By the way, when you talk about protocol, both known and unknown protocols. Oh yeah, for sure. And no, I, no. So Facebook was a place, and I didn't know who was on Facebook, but it's a place you could just be real. You could be you. You could be casual. So that was the really the genesis, and you know the the pillars became motivate, educate, community, and those are the three things that happen there. People throw stuff in to motivate and inspire, and fun moments that you see that just make you feel good. The sense of community has been unbelievable. Generally, you know, Dave, you talked earlier about like attracts like right? And people of the same culture find one another. Typically, you know, we're going to probably hit a thousand members this month. And generally, if you're in the food service power plant network and you're in food service, you're there to support other people. There, there aren't a lot of bad apple. I, I don't know if that's the right term, but bad, bad apples that find their way there because it's a place that's uplifting, that's supportive, that's encouraging. And, and the, the right people that want that are the people that are there. So that's how it came to be. Well, I think it's it's very interesting, and I will tell you, in our own little world of uh, Seat Yourself and pivoting back in the third week in March, we ended up literally from th- on Thursday, we understood that we'd put this podcast out on Monday night. Then we have four day, we have three or four days to figure out how we're going to be different than we've been for the past year, year and a half. And so I went to a lady in Washington, D.C. who was an amazing rep and Bunny Johnson. I said, Bunny, tell us what you're seeing on the front lines. I didn't know really what else to do. So everybody has pivoted. She she was awesome, and it got me at least through that first phase of uh, what we were going to do, because we weren't going to have Shannon Talon uh, coming on anymore and talking about cool trends in tabletop, because that just didn't seem relevant, and really nobody wanted to hear that. Everybody was scared and, and all that. I get it, okay? Two choices I saw were to do something pivotal like that, like going and talking about emotional, really hard issues, or just pull the whole thing down off the internet and, and don't do any podcast for a while. And and I, Jason, a little bit like you thought, rather to be out there trying in some small way to help people, if you can, and just talking about it. And my, my thought process was, is just let people know that whether you're in Washington, D.C., like Bunny is, or you're in London, or you're in Chicago, or in L.A., or maybe not Oceanside, everybody in Oceanside is perfect. <laughs> but wherever you are in the world, you're going through the same kinds of things. And that was really it. And that was as much as I had, and we went with it. And so I, I identify a lot with it. And when I found uh, the Food Service Power Plant Network and what you were doing, I, I still think it's pretty amazing. One question I have for you, because we've evolved a lot in the past let's call it 10, 11 months on See Yourself in those kinds of, we don't do the same kinds of things that you do uh, on that, but we mix it in a little bit. We've evolved a lot. How has the Food Service Power Plant Network evolved since you started it? I had no idea what it would become. You got, you got a thousand followers, members now. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I think, I think we'll be at a thousand this month. We're pretty darn close. And, you know, <laughs> thanks, Dave. Good job. 
I had no idea what it would be. I didn't know if it would be a group of 10 of my friends in food service and people keep just jumping in and people keep inviting people in. And so that spirit and that desire for that connection and to be real together is there. So we're trying to find ways to keep doing that. I started doing, I think in early end of November when we were shutting back down again, I thought, okay, what else does the community need? And people are home and hopefully they're doing takeout and and some people can afford to do that a lot. And some people can't, there's a lot of unemployed folks right now in our community. So we started doing these culinary Academy, these cooking shows every week we do a conversation. So we bring on a a different industry leader. In fact, sneak peek, uh, Shannon Talon, who you just mentioned, will be on with us next week, which will be radical. She's awesome. She's rad. I can't wait to get to know her better. I can't believe she's going on your going on the food service power plant network. She'll come back on to yourself. No, I'm just teasing. So we do a conversation, but I was like, you know what? Maybe we have a lot of great chefs in our network. And, you know, maybe people are going to want to learn how to cook a cool meal at home from a really amazing chef in our community. And maybe the chefs in our community need a platform. There was a chef who big time, Chef Chris Flory with Sodexo, global director of culinary. And, and his role was eliminated in this, you know, all this stuff, right? So he came on and he cooked for us pasta puttanesca in his home kitchen. And I did it in mine. So, you know, hopefully it's an opportunity for, for him because he's a beautiful human. He's, he created a beautiful meal for us and he's incredibly talented. So maybe that opens a door for him. Maybe someone's at home learning how to cook something new, pushing those boundaries about around what they think they're capable of. And it was just another way to engage people and offer them something. Wow. That, that's really an amazing evolution in such a short period of time, I think, in our entire industry. I think uh, one of the best episodes that we've done, other than this one, of course, on Seat Yourself is one that we did with Bob Thompson. The theory of it was second chance careers. The COVID has done a lot of damage, the pandemic to our industry, but it's also given a lot of opportunity to people to to pursue a second career that they might not have ever, ever done. And Bob uh, is uh, making a hot sauce and selling wings and 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 he's really and he's drinking beers and he's talking about that and 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 that's a great thing because i mean bob hopefully will come back because he's a great tabletop guy too but but he's had a chance to sort of experiment with this this second chance career that he always wanted to do but never had quite the time to do it so i think there's a lot of silver linings in that too and we've tried to bring some of that forward but i'm really curious josh cal mill did you hired this guy jason wange you knew he was going to be a heck of a sales manager, but now all of a sudden you inherit this power plant network, food service power plant network. What does that mean to the Cal Mill organization? And what, just tell us how that's gone. Yeah, you know, it was uh, an interesting time, COVID hitting right when we were planning to bring Jason on board. And that was just an interesting dynamic. But I wouldn't, you know, Jason and I were talking at the time, we wouldn't have had it any other way to have those conversations, those real conversations at the time, just to say, hey, here's where we're at. And, and just having open and honest communication. And then when we hired him, everyone was kind of looking at us like, people are like letting go of people at their companies and we're hiring yeah. someone. Like, yeah. What are you, what are you doing? And for us, it's just Jason and I had envisioned this and, and it was something that I was like, I, I, we're bringing this to fruition, no matter what's going on in the food service environment and what's going on in the world, this is going to happen. And so we made it happen. Jason for us and for me is like an extension of the exact culture that I want to build. And for me, that's so comforting knowing that I have him and the rest of my team out there living out, exactly what I'm really trying to hammer home with our entire team, right? It's just that living that positive culture, right? And living that passion and that enthusiasm. Our, our line is fun. It deserves fun people selling it and fun people out there giving it some passion. But in regards to the food service power plant network, 
again, that's just an extension of what I feel like Cal Mill wants to be and, and wants to show is just that that positivity, right? And being a power plant and being someone out there that's generating energy and right and bringing people in and, and showing them, hey, we're going through a tough time. And even when we're going through good times, we can learn through the good times. It's it's much, much easier to learn in the bad times because you're forced to really evaluate yourself because it's a tough time. Yeah, right? right. And so I think that Jason, you know, like you said, building this thing and not knowing what this thing was going to turn into. And now it's just like, it, it's a great community. And I think that through the pandemic, what people have been craving and what people have, have wanted is community. And I think through this whole thing, I think coming out of it, I think people are going to know like community is what we missed. Right. And that's where going out to eat in these trade shows and these different events have given us that we, that we took maybe for granted. But for us, I think what Jason's done a really good job is, is keeping it simple too. Right. And being consistent. Right. And, and I think a couple of the things that he does really well with like just going live on a Friday night, just to say like, what was something small you did this week? that we could give you a little standing ovation, right? It, it, it doesn't have to be landing a million dollar job. Like, did you get out of bed? Did you work out in the morning? And did you go to, did you get some work done? Like, it's, that's, you know, like, no, no, no. <laughs> or did you just get out of bed? Right. Sometimes that's the win, right? Because everyone's going through different stuff. And I think that Jason's so good about leveling with people to say, Hey, your big win is different than my big win is different than, than anyone else's big win. And we should celebrate them all. Right. Because everyone's going through different stuff. And, you know, one might be thriving, one might be really just trying to get out of bed in the morning, and both should be celebrated. And I think that's something big that the Power Plant Network has been able to reach almost a thousand members to say, hey, we're here, we're here for you, no matter what you're going through. We're going to celebrate any big win and give you some resources and hopefully some community to get you through a tough time. And I think it's been really cool to watch. We had a consultant from a great company called Pentelec out of Chicago, Bob Golden. We had him on on our other podcast every other Thursday. We had him on last July, and he talked about the devastation, certainly, because we, July it was still pretty fresh. Uh, we're still, where are we going and all that? But the devastation that the hospitality industry and food service industry has taken on since pan the pandemic arrived and he talked about the lockstep of 40, maybe even 50 years of nothing but 3 4% growth automatic in food service. And then to go right off, that devastation is, it, it just, there hasn't been anybody who hasn't been challenged within around the world and still being challenged. And so it's fine. And I think everybody had this feeling that, okay, in March, yeah, okay, well, you know, we'll get through this and by May or June, we'll be, we'll be on the other side and kind of roaring again. And, and, you know, by July, August, things will be back clicking. They're never going back. And I think that realization over, uh, over time has really, has caused people to seek other avenues of employment. It's, it's had people rethink their lives. Everybody, where, whether you're in Chicago, whether you're in Denver, whether you're in Oceanside, even probably, or, London, or we had uh, we had another gentleman on who was who was in Stoke on Trent, which is like ground zero for uh, dinnerware business, and and that's a very very difficult time over there. And and France now is locking down again, and Germany. So it's not just a U.S. thing; it's not just a local thing for it's everybody within our industry. Dave, it's important for people to realize, I think, that you have to redefine success along the way in your journey. Right? It's you're you're used to humming at a certain pace. I, I think about in our in, on our family all the time. We were used to going at a certain certain rate, certain speed, right? And we've had a couple moments in our family's history where with seismic events, 
right? That, that really threw us off course. My wife's health, my daughter's health, different things have happened where we can't perform at the same level. We can't go as quick. And the, the phrase we say all the time is, you know what? Sometimes survival is a win. And we used to define a win differently, but right now it's okay if it's just getting out of bed and everyone's got to be willing to look at their life. And that's not complacency. People are afraid of being complacent. They're like, I don't want to be complacent. That's not complacency. It's just, you know, your life looks different right now. And so you've got to redefine what, what success looks like today. Through all this, it caused me to go back and read a book and talk that talked about the the Stockdale paradox. I don't know if you know that that idea. Uh, Admiral Stockdale was uh, locked up in uh, Vietnam as a prisoner of war, and he said the, one of the groups of people that did not make it out of there were the optimists. He said because they were they were always being disappointed after time and time again. And I think it's great to be hopeful. But one of the things that the pandemic has caused our industry is for people, I, I hope, to be very real and and to get some reality because, again, 40 or 50 years of lockstep growth at 3 4 5%, it was automatic, no problem. You, just, you went to a show. I mean, just what you were talking about, defining success differently, Jason. And I, and I think that's one of the things that you do very, very well on the Food Service Power Plant Network. And I think that's been really helpful for people to understand that. And I suspect you get a lot more people that might, that might just listen in occasionally, but that's enough for them. And they get to go on their merry way and understand that their new reality is, is fine too. And we all put things in perspective and being locked up with your spouse for nine months, let's say, that may, uh, I'm sure it causes some rifts, but it also may develop a, a deeper appreciation of, of certain aspects of, of the people that you've chosen to spend your life with. I won't say that the pandemic has been good for people. That's too far a step. But I, I think that there are many, many silver linings in all this. And we all, we, we've talked a lot about being grateful on Seat Yourself, and we continue to do that. And and grateful, particularly in the in the face of challenges, because there isn't anybody that I know that hasn't been challenged, whether it's, you're talking about an individual, a company, or, 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 uh, or an industry. It definitely, challenges is, is, a, is a nice way of putting it. But to know that you're going through this and you're going to get out the other side, whatever that looks like on the other side, and it won't be what it used to look like, it's for sure. But But there are good people. And there are lots of good people in this industry. And one of the one of the silver linings for me personally has been to to connect in some way with other great people who are of like mind. And that's why I always believe that kindred spirits always find one another. So it's great. And and how cool is it that Jason, you were able to develop this on the fly, develop this food service power plant network, and it fit like glove and hand in glove with the, the values of the company that you're working for. I feel so grateful that they aligned. I mean, you know, it's Josh has been so supportive of what we're doing in the power plant network. And we took a lot of some of that stuff and brought it over to Camel, the positivity videos that we do every week. The Callahan family really, they love supporting people. They love building that trust, that no like and trust. And, you know, in a time where people were used to being partners with us because they buy our products, they didn't need our products quite as much during a period of time, right? And we're hoping that keeps coming back and it has been. So it's like, you know what, how do we continue? Instead of saying, well, we're just gonna, 
not partner right now. No. How else can we partner with people right now and show them that we care and we're here for them? Even if they don't need our products quite as much right now, it's going to be through a whole nother avenue. We're going to come through the side door and hit you where you don't expect it. And we're going to love on you and we're going to pump you up and we're going to, we're, we'll give you whatever kind of gifts you need to keep thriving in terms of material products or in terms of mindset, whatever that is. Yeah, I, I think it's a great been a great opportunity for to companies to really show their show their true colors, so to speak, show their true DNA. And it sounds like Cal Mill has done from my side, from my perspective. And I'm not I don't work for the company, but it sounds like Cal Mill really has done that. And it's really get a chance, Josh, for, for your company to start your stuff. A couple of last questions for each of you, Josh. What is it that people don't realize about Cal Mill that you'd specifically like people to know? You know, I, I think that for us as a company, you know, we've traditionally over the years not done a ton of market in your face marketing to say this is who we are and this is what we're doing. For me now, you know, what's so important is is more than new products, like I said, is just our culture. I want people to know that. I want people to feel that. I want our people to shine bright in the industry so that they see that. And, and I want those relationships that we have with all of our customers to be meaningful, right? Because I feel like those meaningful relationships are so important, especially in our industry, and especially in an industry where we go to market through our distributors. And it's a what I think of as like a subscription basis, like they're subscribing to our brand. You know, and I really want our people to live that culture that we set out there. And, and they're doing that, you know, and I think that if people don't know that, I want them to know that. So that's one thing that I would like to get out to people is just that I want our culture to be evident. And I want those relationships that we have with our customers to be meaningful. And I think that with those two things, the sky's the limit. When it comes to culture and company culture, we could do a series of shows just on culture of companies. But I, I think every company certainly has a culture. They're not all great cultures, at least not from my perspective. But I also understand enough to know that certain cultures probably aren't great for me, and I'm not great for certain cultures. I had a couple of conversations earlier this week talking about, is so-and-so, uh, would they be a good hire? And I said, well, it depends. I mean, I don't really know the culture of your company and what you're looking for. But to me, when you're talking about hiring, it's all about great fits. And obviously, uh, the takeaway, big takeaway here is Jason Wage is a great fit for CalMill and vice versa. So I think fit is far more important than talent or skills or whatever, or even potential for, for that goes. So you got to find the right fit. I know I probably, in the course of my career, and I haven't had that many jobs, but I probably am not a great fit for certain companies uh, or wasn't. And, and so when you find that fit, it just feels right. And it, I, I know Jason feels that way. Jason. Same type of question for you. Uh, food Service Power Plant Network, you're less than a year in, but you got a 1,000 members and everybody's uh, all on board and, and it's growing like crazy. But what is it about the Food Service Power Plant Network that people might not realize or might not know that you'd want them to know? I'm, I'm looking for ways. My favorite, so the three pillars are motivation, education, community. The community thing has been a gift. The, the people love each other really well in that community. They're lifting each other up. It's, it's humming. The motivation piece is great. People are all the time throwing in fun things, inspiring moments, things that make you smile, all that kind of stuff. W one thing that I'm, I've been trying to frame up is the education piece. We've been offering these positive tools for almost a year now. And maybe it's because I'm, I used to be a teacher and that's just my heart as I love teaching, but I'm trying to create a framework. I'm almost done creating a framework that's relatable to food service because think about it. I think about it like a puzzle. If I were to hand either of you guys 500 piece puzzle, but I didn't show you the cover, what it was going to look like, you would have no idea what to do with those pieces. 
But once I show you a cover and say, this is what it goes, you've got an image in your head, you know what you're working towards. So I'm trying to take all those tools and create a framework that's relatable to food service so that people can really understand it. They know where the pieces go and teach a man and a woman to fish. That's the joy in it all really is that not really that people need the food service power plant network. The goal is that people get tools that they can make their own lives better and stand on their own two feet and feel confident waking up in the morning knowing, you know what, I got this. I can handle whatever gets thrown at me. So that education piece is the fun part that's, that's getting developed and hopefully people can take with them in whatever areas of life they need it. Well, I have to tell you, uh, having you two gentlemen on has been really educational for me to learn about, first about Cow Mill as a company and why it's who it is, company values and company purpose, as I think I said during the break or or maybe earlier while we were recording, but that purpose and, va- and vision is probably where I spend most of my time evaluating when I look at a company rather than a new, this new product or that new product, because new products come and they go. And to better understand what's going on at Cal Mill from a purpose or a culture standpoint is really educational for me. Food Service Power Plant Network, I knew a little bit more about it. I know more than we did when we started. And that's edu- been educational for me to know that there's some place when somebody calls or some or even uh, all of us at some point are challenged currently and maybe in the future too, even I have a post-COVID, that our industry, it's such a great industry, and it's filled with great people. And Jason, uh, thank God this industry has somebody who uh, took on the mantle of starting this thing so that you could pull the, the, that community, as you call it, together. And I think the education piece probably is happening, happening a lot more in the food service power plant network than you realize. Because you're just by doing it, you're educating people that it's okay to be open about your feelings. It's okay to to say, I couldn't get out of bed today, or I'm having a tough week, or whatever. I think we've all, and and again, uh, I don't want to say that COVID-19 pandemic has been good for things, but there are many, many silver linings, and I'm grateful for lots of things during uh, myself, uh, during the, the pandemic, but I'm particularly grateful to you two gentlemen for coming on here and expressing it and articulating it, and the manifestation of it the way it does at Cal Mill and the Food Service Power Plant Network. So thank you, gentlemen, both for your time today. It's been great. And I I think our listeners, talk about education, Jason, I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of us today. Dave, thanks so much for having us. It's it's a gift to, to know you, and this has just been great. During the break, we were talking about how do you subjectively assess whether uh, a segment was good or not? And uh, the way I assess it is it's very subjective, but how fast does the time fly? And this has been the fastest 60 minutes we've done on Seat Yourself. So thank you. You guys are great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We'll see you down the road. Thanks, guys. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, please be sure to check out www.tabletopjournal.com.